And getting to anything this uh, long weekend could be an issue for a lot of us uh, based solely on the price of gas. Brand new Ipsos poll done exclusively for Global News indicates that the majority of drivers are now concerned that they will not be able to afford to fill up this summer. Here is finance expert Rabina Ahmed-Hawk. She joins us to discuss this and a few other financial matters. Rabina, good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right. As the average price for regular gas topped the $2 per liter mark earlier this month, 70% of respondents to this Ipsos poll for Global News, Rabina, said they were concerned they might not be able to afford gas. Uh, How concerning is this? And do we need, do you think, uh, more or some sort of uh, government intervention here when we see something like this? So to answer your first question, it's very concerning. I mean, people are changing their summer plans. People are worried about the return to work and what the commute is going to cost them because what the price of gas was last year compared to now, or even if you go further back before the pandemic compared to now, is in some cases double. So you have to factor that in when you think about, okay, if I'm going to be driving into work every day, I'm now paying twice as much for gas as I was uh, two years ago, but my salary hasn't gone up considerably to cover that. And so that's one concern. The other concern, you know, there is a lot of talk about should government cut taxes, should government give breaks to uh, drivers. And there absolutely is ways they can help drivers. In my opinion, it's more to incentivize drivers not to actually get in their cars, uh, to make more environmentally friendly options, more easily available public transit, um, you know, making it easier for, uh, for, for, for Canadians to get around by not having to get in their car, more carpooling options. These are the options I think that really will make a difference. Uh, you know, the price of gas, as much as people love to kind of poo-poo on the government, really is being driven by crude oil prices, which we have very little control over. And so until we see things like the war in Russia and Ukraine end and supply chain issues come to an end, we're going to continue to see these higher gas prices. And, you know, outside of cutting gas prices by maybe, you know, up to 10, maybe even 15 percent by taking taxes off, the government really can't do much more. And then all of a sudden they're going to be in a deficit when they, uh, you know, because of the revenues that they get from the gas prices. Uh, and then they have to find that money somehow. And how do they do that? Cut public services, raise taxes somewhere else. I know there's been a lot of ta- a lot of talk, sorry, about a so-called gas tax holiday. U.S. President Biden, he was trying to champion that, and it seems to be not be really going anywhere there in the U.S. Meantime, in Ontario here, the Ford government has talked about a, a bit of a tax break starting July 1st. Do we think that uh, that sort of thing, a gas tax holiday, though, would it make a big difference? Or are we only going to talk about a few uh, cents uh, per liter here uh, as a bit of a price break if uh, governments do... Uh, give Canadians some sort of gas tax holiday or break? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to make uh, hundreds of dollars of difference to the average Canadian family. I mean, it definitely is going to feel a little bit better at the pumps. Uh, But the real issue still remains is the price of crude is at a multi-year high, and that's why we're paying these higher prices. So we could go ahead and ask the provincial and federal governments to take tax off that they charge us at the gas pumps. But then that money has to come from some other source. It can't just be that we cut taxes in one place and then we continue to offer the same public services and pay debt down and do everything else that you do with the money. I mean, really, the push should be um, in this situation for people to think of more uh, non-car options to get around if they possibly can. There are a lot of options, especially in Toronto, to get around without using a car. And that should be made more attractive 
I mean, if you go on the TTC and all of a sudden, you know, your TTC is your, your trip is delayed or you get there and you're, you're feeling uncomfortable because you were squished up next to a hundred people. You're not likely to get on that train or that bus again, if you're someone who's already on the fence. But if you can make that trip enjoyable for the people who are doing it for the first time, even after many, many years, saying, okay, gas prices are high, I'm going to try public transit, then that is going to be more effective than just bringing gas down by 10% when it's already at, you know, $2 a liter. Yeah, just one other note about this Ipsos poll. I thought it was rather interesting. Half of Canadians surveyed said that they when, when they do pull up uh, or into the pumps now, they can't afford to fill their entire tank. They're only going in for, say, a... 50 60 maybe 70 dollars at a time rather than uh, filling up and of course fuel prices is just part of the inflation equation we know the prices are rising everywhere grocery stores uh you name it and of course uh, life is becoming less and less affordable for uh, most of us and that has kind of been fueling some speculation about a possible re- recession and I know, Rabina, that economists, analysts uh, are saying that that's unlikely, that the, the circumstances maybe don't seem to be here for a recession. But uh, could it be a bit of a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy as more and more families are, are cutting back because life is becoming less affordable because they got to you know feed their family, fill their uh, gas tanks, that they're just spending less on other things just because overall it just seems everything costs so much more now. Yeah, so there is a little bit of fear that like a self-fulfilling prophecy, I use that term quite loosely, could happen if we all start just thinking a recession is in the future or is in the immediate future. And so there's been a couple of things that have been happening during the pandemic. One is that there's been this overwhelming feeling uh, that the economy is going to boom after the pandemic. This was up until we saw inflation tick at a 40-year, almost 40-year high that all this money that people who have been staying at home and not having extra things to spend on is going to be unleashed into the economy. And then we're going to see like the kind of boom that we saw in the 19, uh, in the 1920s after the Spanish flu pandemic, right? So after that pandemic ended, there was absolutely an economic boom where people were out there just enjoying their lives. So with inflation, because back then, uh, although I don't know the exact economics of what was happening back then, But uh, with inflation being so high, even those who have saved that money are worried about spending it because they don't want to be in a situation where they lose their jobs and they can't pay their mortgage or they can't pay their household expenses. So instead of going out there and unleashing this money into the economy, they're putting it into savings, long-term savings or an emergency fund, which is always highly recommended by personal finance journalists because it's one of the best ways to protect yourself when an emergency does happen. Uh, but, you know, that is some of the fear is that people will hold on to that cash and not put it back in the economy. And that could trigger uh, not just an economic slowdown, but an app, but a recession. But a recession really, you know, technically is many quarters of negative growth. And I, that's not what's really in the cards. I mean, we're expected to have positive growth in 2022 and into 2023. Maybe towards the middle of 2023, may, we may see a couple quarters where there is negative growth once pandemic pressures go away, when supply chain issues um, exa- are, not, are not exaggerated like they are right now. And we know what exactly what kind of situation we are in. Uh, but, you know, don't absolutely plan for the future, but don't just expect that a recession is going to happen and, and act in a way that um, everything is going to only go negative. Of course, a lot of people are thinking twice, maybe even three times about uh, their purchase decisions and buying things, uh, returns. They seem to be up now. And 
Also kind of interesting, in recent weeks, there's been a trend among some of the biggest U.S. retailers, I'm talking Target, to Walmart, to The Gap, amongst others, that if you go to return an item, you've decided you don't want it to anymore, they're actually, Rabina, telling you to keep it, and they're giving you your money back? Why is this happening, and how does this make business sense? Yeah, I know. It's, it's a, a funny one to get your head around. So, you know, obviously there is a fear that people will take advantage of this. But the reality is, is that retailers pay to take stuff back because often it's not sellable. So the, the profit that they've made on that margin, it costs them more to take the stuff back, either put it back on the shelf. And with COVID, there's always a fear that, you know, are you doing something that's unhealthy for the next customer who bought it? So if you take something back that maybe uh, might have been in a home that has COVID, are you putting other people at risk by putting it back on the shelf? I remember I returned something to a retailer during like the depths of the pandemic, right when stores reopened and they were throwing everything into this bin and saying quarantine. I'm like, I don't think I'd want to buy something that's been in quarantine for 48 hours and then goes back on the shelf. There's just that feeling that, it's just not something that's healthy for you to do. But that's what some retailers are saying. They're saying that they are finding it hard to deal with the inventory, deal with the returns, and it's costing them more to actually take them back. And so a number of them, like you mentioned, uh, Target, Walmart, Gap, American Eagle Outfitters, these are many companies that are here in Canada, are saying in the U.S. Uh, that because they have too much inventory, they may just have this policy where if you want to return something, you actually should just keep it and they'll give you your money back. Now, I think that there will be some uh, some checks and balances to make sure no one's taking advantage of that policy. Right. If you legitimately don't like something and you want to bring it back, they may just opt for you to keep it. You know, I hope they've got like uh, camera footage of people that go to return stuff and we get their reaction when they hear that uh, not only are you getting your money back, but just keep the merchandise as well. I would love to see the, the reaction of shoppers when they find that out. Yeah, yeah. No, that that is a pretty amazing uh, strategy, business strategy. I mean, it's something that uh, we've never experienced something like that before, but Amazon supposedly has been doing it in the States for a while. Amazon now does doorstop returns. You just call them and they come to your doorstop and they pick it up. You don't even need to wrap it anymore. You just throw it in the paper bag and they just pick it wow. up. So people, you know, they are trying to get a bit more savvy when it comes to how you return stuff. All right. I want to remind everybody that uh, Rabina will be back on your radio later this evening. She's hosting uh, On Point, so you can hear her later tonight on this very radio station you are listening to now. Rabina, thanks as always for this, and we'll be uh, tuning in uh, later tonight. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. You bet. Rabina Ahmed Hawk with us, and we're back after this break. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.